Hello, everybody. Welcome to Say No to Tyranny, CS to Barbecue podcast. Um, today, we have a, a guy by the name of Richard Bagsby, and he is running for District 41 for the state representative in Indiana. And um, he is an unapologetically a black conservative defending our liberty and a voice for the forgotten men and women. He says, I stand firm in defending the Constitution. I am pro-life and a proud Christian. My purpose is to do my part in protecting our individual rights, restrict the government, and protect our Second Amendment. My name is Richard R. Bagsby, and I am running as your new District 41 state representative. Richard is a native of Indiana. He was raised by a single mother in poverty and inside a crime-ridden neighborhood. I made my way from surviving the struggles of childhood, including child abuse from an abusive stepfather, to making mistakes in my youth that could have altered my life permanently. Through my faith in God and the power of prayer, I have done a complete turnaround, and now I am a very successful parent and grandparent, along with my beautiful wife, Sarah Bagsby. I am an ordained minister that has outreached numerous times, in our community, counseling and inspiring a multitude of our youth. Professionally, I am a construction manager, superintendent for one of the leading commercial construction companies in the Midwest. I continue to hold my union card as a journeyman carpenter for the local 215. I diligently work my way up from the pre-apprentice to my uh, current status. I am also a licensed realtor, My message is a message of defiance in the face of an emerging society trend whose aim is to suppose our liberties and freedoms through mandates, shaming, and bully tactics. I am today's warrior and tomorrow's leader. I am here to replenish the ranks of political soldiers whose only goal is to preserve a culture that although it has seen its fair share of ups and downs, never strayed from the absolute true principle of the American dream, freedom. So that's what, uh, th- th- Richard, that's what your uh, website says. That sounds amazing. I just want to go through a little bit of that, what I just read and talk about, if that's okay. Welcome to the show, by the way. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, everyone that's out there, thank you for your hospitality. You're welcome. So, you know, it sounds like, I mean, you start this off when I started reading an unapologetically, uh, unapologetical black conservative. All right. So you are a African American, if you, if that's all right to say, um, and you're a conservative. Hurt my feelings. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, and, and you're a conservative. Why, why, why do you start it out like that? Why do you think it's important to start what who you are, and you know when you're describing who you are, why why is that important to start it out like that to you? Um, well, that's simple. As a black man, we start out with black man, right? In this country, our country is is um, filled with stereotypes and titles and things that really doesn't matter. Uh, in the long stretch of it, like liberty and freedom. Uh, I'm unapologetically a black conservative. I'm not just full of words when I say that. I'm saying that in the face of the narrative of even black Democrats, white Democrats, or any democratic plantation slave owner, right? Um, 
or voter owner, however you want to put that. Um, I'm I'm not afraid to step out uh, on faith, step out in the face of the real problem in America. And that's people who are trying to suppress our liberties and freedoms. Um, and, and that's that's what that means. You know, I'm not going to apologize because. I love my country. I'm not going to apologize because though I'm black, uh, I don't meet the herd thinking, right? Reality of, of, of what we view black people to be or black men to be for that matter. Uh, I'm not that I'm a true blood, red blooded American, you know? Um, and, and that's why I said, you know, you're not going to hurt my feeling, you know, some people call us African-Americans. Some people call us black Americans. Some people call us Afro-Americans. Some people say white. Some people say this or that. But what I say is we're all Americans and we have to deal with it. Yep. And you know what? I think that message is so important. Now, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but my family. Um, so my wife is uh, half black and half Navajo, Navajo Indian. And my kids are, uh, you know, obviously then there's some white and, and they're, you know, a quarter Navajo and a quarter black. And, you know, it, it's tricky to some degree in raising my children and being part of an interracial marriage. Um, if you view it and if you look at it like the world and the narrative that you're talking about wants you to look at it. But if you look at it through a biblical lens and you know who you are in Christ and Christ is your identity – it's fairly simple to just teach your kids and to teach, uh, you know, to, to, that your identity isn't necessarily in your skin color. Like, it, that's not who makes you who you are. What makes you who you are is your creator. And there's one race, and it's the human race, and it doesn't matter what the pigment, you know, how many pigment levels you have in your skin. Like, it is just we live in a world right now and in a country and where they just want to divide, 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 divide. And that's why I appreciate that you came out and, and like you used that and you said that in your, in your bio there because we need to come together as a nation. We need to come together as a state. We need to come together as counties. And we need to realize that, you know, they want to divide us. They're the ones dividing us. And we are buying into it. Uh and you're absolutely right. Um, my wife is white, um, but my wife is an American. You know, none of that. The only difference is that we are on different spectrums of the melanin chart. We all have melanin, though, right? Right. Uh, but use it as a divisive tool. I'm going to read something from Ezekiel chapter 16. Um, it says, it says, uh, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. This is the origin of God's people. We're two different <laughs> ethnicities. Right. So, so just saying, you know, black or white or um, African-American or Euro, just saying that I believe goes uh, against the very fabric and nature of, of, of biblical principles and biblical thinking. Right. Yeah, I mean, even if you go to the New Testament, it talks about the Samaritans, right? And they are looked at as, as outcasts because they're a mixed breed. 
They're, they got their, yep. you know, and, and clearly there's a huge parable in there of the guy traveling down the road and, and exactly. yeah. And, and, you know, the, the guy, the, the priest like steps aside, uh, the Samaritan who that's laying there hurt and, and the priest steps aside and, and, and doesn't do anything. But it, it, the, the idea of the parable is that, it doesn't matter what color of skin we have, what we, you know, um, what ethnic group we belong to. What matters is, is we're all image bearers of God, and that's the most important thing. Correct. And that's the only important thing. And so that's, that's really awesome that, that uh, um, we're having this conversation right now about this because it's not easy to have that conversation with a lot of people. No, it's not. It's not because they are. I believe a lot of people have um, that that herd thinking, the herd thinking glasses on, that their worldview is skewed based on their skin color, political affiliation, so forth and so on. But I, I want to read this preamble to you. To the end that justice be established, public order maintained, and liberty perpetuated, we, the people of the state of Indiana, grateful to Almighty God, for the free exercise of the right to choose our own form of government, do ordain this constitution. <laughs> yes. Grateful Almighty God. This is what your constitution is saying. This is the first part of it, actually. So is that the federal constitution you're reading from or the state? state. Yeah, okay. Because I was going to say, I just read this the other day. You know, it's Article 1. Um, we declare that all people are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all power is inherent in the people, and that all free governments are and of right ought to be founded on their authority and instituted for their peace, safety, and well-being. For the advancements of these ends, the people have at all times an undefeasible right to alter and reform their government. And that's why... I assume you're running for office because you're ready to reform some stuff in the state house, aren't you? Let's go down to section two. All people shall be secure, <laughs> natural right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own consciousness. God is in the beginning of this. Yes. <laughs> God is in the beginning of this, you know. And to oppose the people, you oppose God as well. That is that, true. Opposing us, we we the people, we the government needs our consent. The government needs the governed consent to be governed. Period. And when they when they cross that threshold, they cross that line. That's when the people supposed to stand up. We're supposed to stand up. Yes. It is. Not, it is. It is not. It's not. I'm gonna say it's not out of duty. It is our duty. Yeah, you're right, and that is. <laughs> you couldn't be more right. Richard and saying that. Um, and so let me ask you this question then why, and I think you answered it in a very general way, but specifically what caused you from being a construction, um, uh, let me get the right term here. Yeah. Construction manager, a father of eight and a minister to come out and run for office. What got you there? Take us through that process. Um, I'm gonna take you there.
let's um let me everything that i do i start with scripture and that is what kind of leader i would like to see in the state house so praise god um yeah what caused me to run so it says in Nehemiah uh, one and I and again, you just read my bio, so I am a minister. So th- I have to start it out like this. There's no other way. Our Constitution has started out this way, you know. Yep. Uh, it says, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. Why am I running, you say? I'm a minister. I'm this. I'm that. It's because when I hear that there are only two representatives in the state house of 71 Republicans and only two are fighting for our freedoms and liberties, I had to I was that that one that wept. And said, how is this? How can this be? How can we only have two? Fighting for our lives. These two men were kicked out of the Republican caucus. Why? Because they stood up for our freedoms and our liberties. They need help. They need help. They need people like us to step up and fight. And fight. What is the war to me? You asked me about it. Yeah, so before we got on, so I was going through, well, real quick, before we go there, what two men are you talking about when you say there's two men? Who, from the listeners, are you specifically talking about? John Jacob and Kurt Nisley. Okay. And uh, and, and so I was li- looking uh, through your Facebook page, just getting ready for this podcast, and I saw that one of your clients gave you this war elephant as a gift. And they told you, you know, hey, go put this in the, go put this in your office when you win at the state house. And mm-hmm. I never heard of a war elephant before, so I started doing some research, and it is fascinating. Like they literally used to train elephants to go to war. And That's so, right. what does the war elephant mean to you? Real simple. A war elephant was trained and guided by humans for combat. That means that I am guided by the consent of the people in my district. The constituents are guiding me to what? Break the ranks and still terror and fear. For their rights, for their liberties, that they will never be treaded on again after people like us get through with them. Not by violence, though. Right. That's good to point out. Yes, not by violence. I just want to put that out there. But by standing firm on on this right here. I don't uh, 
I hate people that just talk about this stuff. Right. And they don't have passion in their You don't have a fire in their belly. They're just they're just talking. Right. It says in Article 15, Section 4, every person elected or appointed to any office under this Constitution shall before entering on the duties thereof, take an oath or affirmation to support the Constitution of this state and of the United States and also an oath of office. Yeah, it seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Now, granted, when I say that, I mean, like, we have gotten so, it has gotten so colluded, so, so mucky that there has been Indiana codes that have been written and laws that have been written on top of Indiana codes and Indiana codes written on top of laws to where it's just a big muddled mess right now. But the Constitution lays it out simply. And so, like, to get back to that, we're going to have to probably start repealing some things and and i mean it's not just as simple as going in there and saying hey this is what the constitution says this is what i'm going to do even though that's what you're going to do richard i think it's but it, you, you there's um we've got to repeal things like are you i'm sure you're aware of that that it is pretty uh, it's a muddled mess right now it, down there at the state house and it's been like that for years it's a swamp it's a swamp um and what we have to do if I'm elected, uh, and, and I know a lot of others that are like me, uh, that are, that are running right now. And when we get there, um, we have to form, first of all, a freedom caucus, in my opinion. Um, and with that freedom caucus present amendments, present, um, new bills and add to old bills. Um, and like you said, repeal, these layers and layers of of trash yeah that they're trying to feed us yeah. that they want us to accept and then they make excuses like well this is the best deal we can come up with no no it's not you know and, and we have to stand on it there's like i said there's only two but when there's 10 of us and when there's 20 of us and when there's 30 of us and we inspire more to run we're faced with an army of rhinos. You would think that we would look like Florida, but we look like Michigan. But that's what we have to do when we get to the state house. Yep. And, you know, um, I've talked to a lot of politicians here over the last couple of years. And um, I guess having said that, going back to you, now, have you always followed politics or is this something that just ever since this whole COVID mess, like, and you seeing what the government's doing, did it like perk your ears to it more to where you started following it more? Or you've always been like, have a political mind and followed closely and things like that? Um, uh, so I've, I've always followed politics. I've, I've always voted. Um, but what really I think activated me was when Donald Trump, uh, when he first started coming down the escalator. Now, my wife and I, we talk a lot of different theories and and for years we've been, you know, going back and forth with, you know, our our thought process of what we think is going on, you know, based on history, um, based on things that are are happening in the here and now. But when Trump, when Donald Trump started coming down that escalator, I knew right then and there that it was time. Okay. So that's kind of what, that, that's kind of what set it off for you was Donald Trump. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, and then what really set me on fire, I mean set me on fire, was the night that they cheated him. And yes, I said it, they cheated him out of the win. I think a lot of people believe that. And I think a lot of people um, haven't forgot it. Afraid also to admit that. But you know what? If right. that what said condemns me, well, tell me what my sentence is because I'll be glad to go. Right. I mean, you know, I've looked into that quite extensively and here's what I here's what I'll say about that is that there are there it seems that there is a lot of funny business that happened that night on election and the next morning and oh, yeah. you know and then and then just I, I know that Trump went to court with all of it and they brought a lawsuit and they were trying to and they he had no victories I don't think anywhere. And you know, it seems like to me that, but through that, if you if you if you would pay attention and you'd see actually the facts instead of having you know um, your 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 partisan mind goggles on that all you see is what you want to see. If you right. look at that objectively, there, I don't think you can argue that 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 stole that 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 election was stolen. And you're right; that gets you in trouble. People call you an idiot. People say you're stupid for saying that and believing that. But you know what? I mean, I firmly believe, like you believe, that that was stolen. However, having said that, I'm not going to focus on that going forward no. because there's a lot of no. work that needs to be done. It, it is. It is. But you know what? That that right there probably needed to happen to be a catalyst for ordinary citizens to step up and help reform the government. Yeah. And you know what? Because it needs help. And not only that, like that's how God works. (laughs) You know, like it looks like that, you know, the corruption, wickedness, all this stuff, this debauchery, all this stuff is happening, happening, happening. But through that God works and he raises up his, his people. He he raises up um, believers and they come out and like right now we are seeing believers all over the state of Indiana saying, Lord, pick me. I'm running for office. Bless us. And, and, and let's go in there to the glory of God and let's get things done. And that is so encouraging for me to see. And for people that I know we've talked about it to see that Christian men and women are raising up. God is faithful and even though it seems like everything's on a downward spiral, you see this beautiful thing rising up out of that, and that is believers in Jesus Christ saying, "I'm running. I'm going to. I'm going to glorify God in in my campaigns. I'm going to glorify God once I get elected." And we are returning to the Constitution that is built on biblical principles that every human being in this state needs to adhere to, whether you believe or not, because that's how societies flourish. And that's how we flourished for all these years. So let me ask you this then, okay? So having said that, the next thing I hear a lot is, oh, really? So you think slavery was a good thing? Was that a thing of God? Like anytime you want to bring up the Constitution, you want to bring up our founding fathers, like it always goes back to that. Like they try to use that point to negate anything good this country's ever done. And on the record, and obviously slavery was a heinous sin. It was never right. And But at the same time, it's something that this country, and Christians in particular, are the ones that corrected and repented and changed the country. Just like we're trying to change the country with abortion, right? Exactly. 
And so that leads me into my next point and that, or my next thing I'd like to talk to you about on your website. It says that you believe in protecting the unborn and right to life. Now I'm going to be honest with you, Richard, I get mailers in the mail every election year from my, from my uh, state representatives, from my Senate, my state Senator, from anybody else running for office in my community. And they're all pro-life and they're all right to life. How are you different than them, or are you different than them? Um, well, I wanted to uh, comment, and I'm going to get to that, and okay. I'm not a politician, so I am going to get to that because I, I love <laughs> um, how uh, am I? I'll make you get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't. I can't find it. What were you looking for? Um, you know, you said you had touched on how God um, raised up people to um, to run to to do his 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 bidding. You know, right? I can't find it, but you know, Elijah Elijah felt like he was the only one. You know, but then God told him that do I not have prophets that have not bowed to Baal? You know, so God, he already has reserves for this fight. Yes, he does. He already ha There's already a, a game plan in place, you know, um, and, and, and I believe that now is the time to rise, you know. And pray, first of all, make supplications uh, unto God and, and make sure that you are called for this because, you know, you don't want to just volunteer for this thing. You want to make sure that... Um, you know, you are indeed called, uh, going back to abortion. <clears throat> well, having said that real quick, like think of Gideon, right? Like God works oh, in yeah. small numbers that's and that's right. the thing. It's not like we have to, it's not like we have to have great numbers because God wants the glory. He doesn't want man to have his glory. That's right. So he that's works right. in small numbers. So with the case with Gideon, you know, you start out with what, 15,000 troops and he narrows it down to 300 brave men. The, the original 300 men right there. Right. <laughs> and they go and they defeat a massive army. Uh -huh. And that is not just Old Testament that's tucked away and stuck in the Old Testament. God does yep. not change, and that's how he always works. That's all, and he and he shares his glory with no man. Um, you know, and, and so this, this the, I believe this is the manifestation of the glory of God. Um, and, 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 and good men and women standing up in the face of of this kind of uh tyranny and i and yes i said that word um well you know what my podcast is called i don't know if i ever told you that uh -uh. <laughs> my podcast is said is called say no to tyranny say yes to barbecue so <laughs> so uh so you're allowed to say that word on my podcast all right good 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 good, good. Uh, so Ask me the question about abortion. Again. Yeah. So again, and, and I say this a lot to a lot of people I interview in every year from the time I've been 18 years old and able to vote, I get these mailers in the mail that says that the person that wants my vote is pro-life. They're endorsed by right to life and they are fighting for the unborn. Well, your website 
says, right to life, protecting the unborn. And I'm saying, okay, we've been trying to protect the unborn in a supermajority of a Republican party now for many years. And it doesn't seem like abortions getting any better. In fact, last year, there's more abortions in this state than any time in history. And I'm saying, and so I started questioning, are these politicians pro-life and if they are pro-life what does it actually mean like what's their definition of pro-life because my definition of pro-life is abolishing abortion my question to you is when you say you, you believe in the right to life and protecting the unborn are you an incrementalist who wants to just slowly win the war over the next hundred thousand years or are you an abolitionist that says you know what murdering babies is wrong and we're going to end it as soon as i get into office i am voting to end abortion in the state of indiana i'm saying to you that the difference between me and the other well me and the others that are elected is 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 very simple i'm not a career politician i don't have to correct my political I don't have to protect my political career because I don't have one. Right. And so when it comes to abortion, it's very simple. Life is at conception. And if you want to get biblical with it, God told Jeremiah that I knew you before. Before your conception, before you were conceived, that means life is before conception in God's eyes. Um, so I believe that we have to support legislation to end abortion period you can't tiptoe around the tulips and not only that it's like it's like what a man it's, it's like what john jacob told me he said when a person comes into the er and i'm right next to an er that's what you're hearing in the background a person comes in riddled in in bullets right you know he got shot up and cut up and everything and he you know he has a He's been shot in, in his arm and his leg and in his stomach and, you know, various parts of his body is bleeding and everything. But there's an artery in his neck. That's been hit. Do you think they're going to fix his arm first, fix his legs first, fix his stomach first? Or you think they're going to fix that artery first? I think they're going to fix the artery, but you know what? The way the medical field's going these days, they may go for the arm. But here's the thing. (laughs) When it comes to to abortion, abortion is the artery. Abortion is what needs to be fixed in our country. This land has been poisoned by innocent blood. You talk about genocide. Just as a black, in the black community, I was reading an article that uh, black women are five times susceptible to abortion or or have aborted babies five times or i'm sorry the black community has been affected five times more than a white woman when it comes to abortion you know so that alone right just as a black just just as a black man coming from the black view i would say right should be justification enough you know to end abortion but when you look at abortion from I used to say it back in the 90s. I was against abortion, right? And I was just a kid. I was literally just a kid. But as a kid, I knew that, okay, if we say 10 weeks, you know, or you can you can abort at 10 weeks or 12, whatever it was, uh, eventually they're going to go to nine months. I used to get laughed at about that when I used to say that. But now look at Virginia yep, and New what York. that was saying. 
You know, it's a travesty. It's a travesty. And our land needs to heal. And the only way it, it, it's going to heal is to stop the shed of innocent blood. There was a statistic that came out last so, year in so, New York hold City. On one yep. Hold on one second. I want to be clear. Okay. I said a lot, but I want your listeners, I, I, want, I want to give them a clear answer. I will support legislation to stop abortion. And now I'm on record. And does that include John Jacob and Kurt Nisley's bill to abolish it? That That is exactly the bill that I'm referring to. Okay. I just wanted to be clear because um, there's a lot of abortion bills that get passed that really do nothing, like widens the hallways in abortion clinics. They have to count how many paper towel they use per abortion. Like those are the kind of pro-life bills that have been getting passed in Indiana. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, that's not pro-life. Okay. Uh, Pro-life, pro-life, you know, nowadays, in my opinion, they care more about an eagle's egg or a turtle's egg than a human egg. You're right. And that's an eye to that. Save no the trees and kill the that. children. You know, no one questions that. It's a secret genocide going on. I saw a statistic last year coming out of New York City that there are more African-American babies being aborted than being born than being born isn't that amazing than being born i mean if you stop and think about that that is wiping away generations of the black community and now we're supposed to believe that black lives matter and the blm movement which we is a whole nother conversation but movement is just like the ku klux klan movement back in the day it's just a different version yeah and and you're right and not it's not because black lives don't matter same same party though same party it is and people just don't realize it people don't realize the democrats were the racist the democrats are the ones who wanted to keep slavery legal the democrats are the one who who enslaved like they were fighting for slavery to stay legal and it was it was it was the conservative christians that freed them and now they somehow through propaganda and and narratives being pushed through the media for years and people going to school and reading lies in history books they believe that the democratic party is the one who wants to set the people free who who cares about the black people but it's their policies that are murdering and wiping out generation of black families that is going to take hundreds of years to recover from mm -hmm. hundreds of generations do you know uh, harriet tubman she they interviewed her and they asked they asked her how many uh slaves that she freed and uh she said i freed thousands of slaves but i could have freed tens of thousands more but they didn't know that they were slaves Uh, imagine imagine that if you will for a second you go to a slave you sneak onto a plantation to tell slaves right because you're an activist about freedom and then you got you got a bunch of slaves in the background saying that you know well the shack that the master provides is is comfortable the beds are comfortable too you know they're feeding us that's what's happening in the democratic plantation is that they're weaponizing not just blacks now but all Democrats and, and, and movements, right? Black Lives Matter movement, right? To, to convince black people that we need to be dependent on that party. The party of, of suppression. 
You, you're exactly right. And my wife and I, we have this conversation often. And, you know, like, you know, when I saw this really ramp up is when Trump won in 2016 and he got a, he got like, I, I don't even remember, the, like 15% of the black vote or something, but it was mm-hmm. up by 8% or something from uh, any other time. Oh, yeah. And that's when they unleashed holy hell on the black community to get them. That's when huh? BLM started for the most Punish- part. They were punishing us, right? Voting. They were they were punishing you, but in a way that you th- that that people don't see that they were punishing you. Like they also were bringing you back to to under their watch and under their control, just yeah. like they have for generations now in this country. It's a conditioning process. Uh, it's a conditioning process, but 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 we're able to break free from that. Why? Because you know Jesus didn't. He didn't set. Jesus didn't set us free. He made us free. Right. And there's a difference. You set animals free and then they then they get right back into the trap. But when you bring the awareness to an individual that guess what? You were made free. You can no longer be in bondage. And when you when you figure that part out, white, black or indifferent, when you figure that part out. Then you'll then you'll start to realize your worth, your value. Your purpose. And it's not to be in bondage. It's not to be in bondage and your value is Christ, right? So your value, that's the thing. We're image bearers of God. And and to set us free is there's really only one way to do that. And that is through Christ. And once we realize that we are, we are sons of the King, we are, we are heirs. We are heirs to God. Like Galatians talks about, like it is absolutely freeing. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to be afraid of COVID. You can say what is right and and not worry about the consequences. Like we've already said things on this podcast that a lot of Hoosiers who are probably going to vote for you are still scared to death to speak out. And they're still scared yep. to death to, to, to say anything and to stand up. And I'm trying to get people to stand up. And that's the purpose of why I'm doing what I'm doing. We need good men to stand up right now. And this is the time to stand. So I'm trying go ahead. And that's why, that's why, you know, I'm not, I don't just talk about it. I'll be about it. You know, one of my, you know, if you would call it a slogan, I guess, is defining the future by defying by defying the narrative, uh, being a voice for the forgotten men and women, being a voice because a lot of people are afraid. A lot of people are afraid to speak. They're afraid to say who they're voting for. They're afraid to talk any have anything, even COVID. They're afraid to even talk about COVID now, you know, and, and all the other variants that's going on you know um they're afraid to speak up about it but you know what there comes a point in time when we have to defy that narrative we we have to exercise civil disobedience when it comes to unlawful mandates the general assembly is there for a reason it's in our constitution that the general assembly makes the laws and in even in a crisis even in an emergency situation the the government or the, the governor is supposed to call a special session. None of that happened. Yeah. And we're supposed to well, by- according to, uh, here's the problem. So after 9-11, they did the, the um, oh, uh, Bush passed it, the big, the big thing that changed everything. And now it just slips my mind. But the uh, Patriot Act. So when, in the Patriot Act, it gave the governors the authority 
to do what our governor has done to us for the last two years. And I don't know if people know that or they realize that. And obviously my restaurant got shut down because we did not comply to the mandates. And my wife was telling me about that. Yeah. And, and so, but you know, but did, according to the Patriot Act, there is language in there that allows the governor to, to act the way he's been acting. Now, that doesn't mean it's constitutional, and that doesn't mean it's a good law, and good laws must be, or bad laws must be defied. You don't That's have right. to, a law by a biting citizen, is, it doesn't mean you abide by bad laws. It means you abide by the good laws, right? And, right. and so... And so that that's where he says he's getting his powers from. It's been, I mean, my, my case has been in the court system now for about almost two years and we're fighting against it. We're fighting against the Patriot Act itself um, because we're saying it's unconstitutional and the governor does not have that authority according to the Indiana state constitution and the federal constitution because it violates our bill of rights. Um, having said that, um, you're right. And, and the fact that this emergency doesn't end and it just continues to go on and go on and go on, like there has to be, there has to be an end to it. Like it's not really what we have always known what an emergency was. Emergency is something that happens suddenly and usually has quick devastation. This is something that's been going on forever, two years now, and they're still holding us in our freedoms and our liberty from going out and being able to provide for our families and just enjoy and, and live for God and the way he intended us to do through the cultural mandate. Speaking of the cultural mandate, you have a lot of children. Like you take that seriously, don't you? <laughs> I, take more than seriously. I was going to read this to you. Uh, powers not delegated to the United States by the constitution or prohibited by it to the States are reserved to the States respectively or to the people. That means there is a, there, there is a, a distinct line between state government laws, governing laws, and, and federal. I agree. We do not have to adopt the federal laws. Now, according to everybody at the state house, besides probably those two men that you mentioned, and there could be a couple more, which would be Nisley and Jacob, they do not believe that. They believe that federal law trumps state law. That's right. That's right. They do. They do believe that. And that. And you know what? Uh some people believe in elves and reindeers and <laughs> essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> That's a we joke, people. From, you know, you know, but but we can stand up and defy it, and and and, and that's what it is. So, yes, I have eight children, uh, two grandchildren. You look way um, too young to be a grandpa, by the way. You look good. How old are you? 39. 39. All right. 39 and counting. Well, I'm uh, about your same age and you look way better than me. I can tell you that. Well, you know, uh, I guess it's, um, I, ca I can't really say hard, hard living or easy living. It's been, it's been hard living. Definitely. It's been a struggle, but we started young, uh, first of all. And, and secondly, uh, we were, we're not in the business anymore, unfortunately, but we were in the business of creating Americans. There's not enough Americans being born. Amen. Think about it. Think about that for a while. Yeah. You know, uh, our birth rates are very low uh, compared to other um, other countries. And when you hold a biblical worldview, uh, Richard, that is a slap in God's face as well. And, I, you know, I have three children. I should have had a lot more. 
Lord willing, maybe we'll adopt. Maybe, you know, we're thinking about getting into foster care. Maybe we'll adopt some more. But that is, that is, that's another, I mean, all this is a slap in God's face. And that is people not having children. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can't condemn people for not having children, but, you know, uh, we did, we did want, um, uh, many, many children, um, children, they just do something to you and they, they really define who you are, uh, as an adult, uh, because we have many, we can see different personalities of ours. Um, and then we have the ability to, uh, really inspire them to talk about Jesus and talk about moral living, moral standards. We're not perfect by any means, but we do try to raise perfect children. Um, not saying that we are successful in that, but just that is our, our responsibility as parents and our duty, you know? Um, and, and so that's what, that's what my wife and I, we, we emphasize on that. And, and we actually homeschool four of the children, three are adults. We homeschool four and one's three. Uh, we actually got them out of school when all this crazy stuff was happening. Um, because I'm not going to sit and argue with a school official. I'll just take my children out. Yeah. And, and I want to get to that here. But when I say that it's a slap in God's face, I mean it like this. is God gave us the cultural mandate, and that is to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. And, I would say that's the first commandment. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? <laughs> how you do that is by having babies. And then mm-hmm. you got Proverbs, I believe, that talk about how your children is an arrow in your quiver. And you that raise arrow. them up in the admonition of the Lord and you release them to go be dragon slayers for God's glory. And so that's why I'm saying that, that you know, you know, I'm not trying to condemn people either. And like I said, I didn't do my job in that either. So, but I'm saying like Christians really need to have a lot of children. It's all I'm advocating for, because <laughs> I think that's oh, biblical. Yeah. And I think that's another way that we take over dominion over the country in a, in a way that is going to make the society flourish. That's right. I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's good. So the mask mandate, I was reading here that you pulled your kids out because of the mask mandate. Is that true? Not necessarily the mask mandate, but that did contribute to it. But the the audacity for a school, a, a um, an institute, right, to think that they have that much power over our children and over us. You know, uh, my children, you know, they'll look over and see the basketball players not masked up, but they have to be masked up. Uh, they'll look over and see some of the teachers not masked up, but they have to be. Um, uh, really, I'm a I'm a critical thinker. You know, I play chess. I play chess. Uh, I'm really good at chess. Not the best, but I am. I can hold my own. But chess is a thinking person's game, whereas you can see moves ahead of time. Right. right. And so in order to bypass any confusion and bypass any type of agenda right uh i'd rather just pull them out looking at the mass mandate as the thin side of a wedge whereas this is the beginning and 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 is the end mandating a vaccine and is the end you vaccinating my child unbeknownst to me you know you can't you don't have access in the school you know and so I don't want my children in that type of atmosphere. Now, if we can fix that system, um, then yeah, yeah, of course, you know, uh, we'll put them back in. Uh, we're actually 
thinking about putting him in a Christian school um, next next year. But but yeah, so I just I don't want to be. I don't want to be caught off guard or caught by surprise, especially how they handled the mask mandate, you know, with the children. And so and then we were looking at um, a friend of mine, Becky Cash down. She's running for District 25. Shout out to Becky Cash. Um, um, but she has sent me over a, a, a DCS letterhead that was instructing the D- DCS employees how they could get um uh court orders to vaccinate children who are in the chins program or snap or you know or in um you know in their care custody or even have an open case and in the and going back to the whole chest um thing it's like okay so if i'm talking to my neighbor and i just happen to say that my child's not vaccinated can they just call DCS and open an investigation of neglect? And now, you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, it's so much danger involved in giving people, unelected officials, unelected people, that kind of power. And I couldn't agree more, but here I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you. Um, but your children already had to have vac- vaccinations to go to school. So what's yeah. the difference between this one? I don't think you'll... I don't think you're playing a good devil's advocate on that question, uh, to be honest with you. It's it. Here's the deal. And no, no, you know, no offense to you. I was just. No, I, and I want but, the listeners to hear and understand. So and I know I, I know it's not a good devil's advocate, but that's that's the, well, I hear that all the time. Like what's the you know, I, so, hear, that, I, hear, that, I hear that all the time, too. Yeah. I'm not against vaccines. OK. Um, and when people tell me that, I feel like they're they're really reaching reaching for straws or however that saying goes, you know, spitting in the wind. I, I, I think it's a fruitless question, right? Because I, my, my kids get the vaccines that have been studied for 30 years. <laughs> they, they get those ones, you know, they don't, they don't get the new experience. You know, I won't even call them experimental, right? I'll just say they don't get the ones that are less than five years old. Yeah. And they're not even FDA approved. And a lot of people think that the, the, the Pfizer and the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson here in the country that's going out is FDA approved, but it actually is not FDA approved. Now there was one that was approved overseas, but that is not any of the vac- vaccinations that are, the Americans are receiving. They actually have never been FDA approved to this day. And that is insane to me. And, and to my understanding, and I want your listeners to know, I don't, I don't know everything. Okay. And I I hope I'm not coming across as that, but I want you to know that I know everything that I know, you know, and, and a lot of the times these are my opinions, you know, um, based on, based on resource, you know, resources, uh, that I've researched, you know, um, but what I'm going to say is to my understanding, and this could be an opinion because I don't have hard data or hard facts. The only reason why we can get the vaccines is because there's an emergency order without the emergency order. We couldn't get the vaccines to my understanding. And that could be, I'd have to look into that. Um, I know that's how we get free vaccines, how they're not being charged and you can get tested for free is because it's an emergency order. And that goes back to that, what, 10, uh, what was that bill that just passed? The 1001 or something where 
Yeah. You know, and that's why it, they wanted to put all the federal money into the Indiana State Department and the secretary's office is because that still allows for free vaccines and free testing. And I yeah. do know that. And vaccines and va- being able to vaccinate, you know, five, five year olds. Right. Yeah. Yep. But at the end of the day, that HB 1001 is so it's it once again is giving non-elected officials the power to mandate vaccines mandate anything i mean yeah it's it's you're mandating vaccines but what else will they be able to mandate in the future now i talked to matt matt layman he's the author of that bill and i had an hour-long conversation with him here about a month ago or so and he claims that that bill does not do that um and he gave me why it doesn't do that so it's it's you know i'm gonna i guess i'm just gonna have to wait and see he had he had you know answers on why that that bill does not give them any power to mandate anything that has to come through the general assembly or uh, the governor still like that changes nothing like on as far as power goes the only thing that does is allow snap to continue uh, which is federal money and then it also allows the federal money for the vaccine for the emergency order for the uh, the federal money to continue to come in the state which is like around 500 million dollars um, that Indiana is receiving in 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 COVID money right now, and it did one other thing, and I oh well, it gave the exemptions, the religious exemptions. So I did talk to Matt about that, and he said that that does not give just to be just to throw it out there and to be fair, um, that does not give the Indiana State Health or the Secretary Office any powers to mandate anything. So take it for what it is. We'll see if he's honest about that. I'm just telling you that's what he told me. Well, I would suggest everyone to read the bill. Um, And and in my interpretation of how I seen it, that's what it looked like to me. Whereas my employer, they're gearing up to try to get us the vaccine anyway. Um, Now, my other question, I guess, would be for for Matt Lehman would be, why are we putting religious exemptions in there when we already have religious exemptions? You know? Yeah. Uh, and that is, uh, and not that, only that, I did that, ask him that actually. And, uh, and he said that, and I believe this is what he said. I'm, uh, it's, I'm pretty confident. This is what he said. He said that it's not that, yes, you don't already have those, but he wants to make sure that these corporations and, and, and these people are honoring them. So they're reinforcing it, say, being very clear that they must accept them. It's kind of like a, a call to them saying, Hey, look, you got to accept this type deal, like refreshing the rights that we already have. They just want it to be loud and clear that they have the right to a, uh, a, um, uh, religious exemption. So that's just what he told me. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, and, and so that's where he's coming from. That's, I hope that's the case, but, but, you know, my end argument to, to that HB 1001 is that 1001 originates from an emergency order mandate. Now, why is that dangerous? Because if there's another emergency order mandate, can we create new laws off of that? Since we're already been given the blueprints of how to do it. 
you know. Yeah, and that, that's a concern to have because that happens all the time. I mean, that, that happens all the time. No, nowhere do you, I mean, you do see it, but very rarely do you see a brand new bill. Like, usually brand- when you see bills, they're crossed out, they're added to, there's new put it in, put in on it, right? And I think that's, that's right. what you're talking about here is what, what, what's that bill going to be in 10 years from now? Right, how is it going to grow up? Right, that's a good way to put it. Being being that it was birthed from an emergency order, a two year old emergency order at that, you know. But yeah, that that definitely frustrates me, you know. Right, and it does me too. Um, and and so obviously it's a huge concern, um, and it's it's hard to it's hard to trust that. It's that they're doing the right thing down at the state house. Um, but, you know, that's why I'm so excited to see so many people rising up to primary them because primaries are good in multiple ways. Yeah. Even if you don't win, you are pushing your opponent to the right. You're, that's right. You're, 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 you're challenging them to write, to rule rightly right now in session because they have voters at home that are watching. I mean, so primarying um, incumbents is a very, very important thing to do. And I've always said it and pe- you know, people in the party don't like when you say that, but I, I am, I think it's a healthy thing to do. And I will I think, stand by that. It, it, it keeps everyone on the right path, keeps the train on the track. It does. And it helps anyhow. And, and, and that's a good thing. All right. So we're, we're in about 56 minutes and I feel like we're just touching the the, the, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, so I just want to move quickly, real quick, over a couple things. Education. You're running on, uh, it looks like your top three priorities is right to life, education, and health care. Is there anything, I know we touched on education a little bit. Is there anything you wanted to add on that, on what you're running and what you, do you have anything you want to say on that that you haven't said yet? Um, so, we haven't talked about CRT and, and I will be supporting legislation uh, that goes against CRT um, in our school, in our schools. Um, and that's that's really. That's really a, a big issue for me is what we're teaching our children and what our te- what our children are picking up uh, from these communist teachings if you will um to to label every institute inherently white supremacy and to put a title and a tag on white people and black people um is is appalling you know why can't my child just go to school and learn the you know basic basic information and love his neighbor as himself, regardless of what he looks like, right? Regardless, yeah, exactly. You know, why Why are you putting so much emphasis on these things? And I believe the question is really simple, or the answer is really simple. The why is to divide. CRT is just a, a, a dividing tool, and it does not need, it, it has no place in our schools. And I'll fight tooth and nail to keep that out of our schools. So I had, uh, so there's a bill going through the state house right now, Woods bill. Are you familiar with that, that the leadership took up on the CRT issue? Yes, I am. Okay. And then there was a bill by Prescott that was, uh, released as well. 
and I was uh, I, I was somewhat involved in in that one. And then Kurt and Isley, I believe, were John Jacob. They came up with one. Um, what do you think of Woods' bill, and does it hold the teeth that it needs to hold that um, Prescott or Nisley's bill would have done? Um, I I don't believe that Woods' bill carries any teeth. Um, if we're if we're I guess to answer it in a short short form, uh, form if we're creating bills that really you can't you know you can't really execute a punishment or i mean it, it's really fruitless it's it's just posturing in my opinion and i believe kurt and john's bill is going to carry the teeth that we need You know, it always seems like Kurt and John's bill is the bills that are the good, clean t- bills that hold Thank the you. teeth that 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 ain't p- playing politics, but they never get passed, and it's no. so frustrating. And that is why you are running for office, and that's why everybody. I think there's over forty of you running for office because of this, that that the good bills and the clean bills and the bills that actually are going to change the way that Indiana governs their people, they never get passed. And so I am, again, excited and I am thrilled and I praise God that so many people have stood up and, and, and ran and who are running. Um, so then, I'm go ahead. I, I'm, I, am, I am really grateful. Whether I win or I lose, at least we're pushing – the the envelope um and these bills that are clean these bills that are good bills they're not being passed because they don't want to see people like john and kurt uh get the credit for them um and and kurt and john are so humble you know they don't even have to be the 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 authors you know of the bills you know they just want what's good for indiana and and, you know, I've actually been lashed out at for aligning myself with Kurt uh, by the GOP. Um, I've already been suppressed by the GOP. And that's when I wasn't officially a, a candidate. And so they feel that their power is being threatened. Um, they feel that their time is short. And their career, uh, political career is, is, is um, being threatened. And they should. You know, yeah. it should be really a wake-up call to not only the constituents, but our elected officials. Um, and, and, and if we do lose, at least by our efforts, they will get it right. But I don't have faith that they will. Yeah, I don't either. But, you know, um, even if you lose, what right? You know, we don't know what God has in store. But what we do know is we're praying fervently over here, fervently over here for you guys. And I know you're praying and I think there's a lot of praying going on and we need God to act. And, and we're grant, we're asking for God to grant us this mercy. It is an act of mercy. If we can get our government under control at this point, because as went so far, I mean, we deserve judgment. We're, we're, we're doing genocide on our unborn. We don't know what a boy and a girl is anymore. 
we don't believe that that we're all of one race and 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 I mean there is so much sick wicked sin going on from the in our society that we're begging for mercy at this point and this is an act of mercy and and I look at it like it's like all right Christian men and women are stepping out and saying God have mercy on us and use me here I am use me is that how you feel about this I, that is how I feel about it I, I feel feel like that we are seeing our state and even our country you know um being judged and we want god to have to have mercy as 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 moses asked god for mercy when he was coming off the mountain seeing that they had uh built a golden calf you know and 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 it's the same you know at, at least that's the way i view it um, and I'm glad that there are a bunch of Christians, you know, people of the way, not 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 Christians in name only, but people of the way who is leading the charge, yeah. you know, and, and who's inspired to to cultivate change, um, to cultivate change. Oh, that's good. So then you have healthcare on here real quick. Let me touch on that for a second. Um, you know, just from talking to you now for an hour, I assume that you are for medical liberty for the Hoosier, for every Hoosier in the state of Indiana, that that is a family personal decision, not the government's decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. It goes back to consent. If you don't have my consent, then you already, you are already violating my inalienable rights, you know, as a citizen of this country, as a citizen of this state. And for you to think that you, you can trade on those rights lets me know that you are out of touch with with our with our want with our needs with our what we want you to be doing you're not doing it and you're in it for yourself you know um as far as when it comes to medical liberty that really exposes our elected officials for who they really are they're they're self-motivated so this is a issue that I go back and forth with, and I, I can explain why. But do you think or do you believe that private businesses have the right to say, I want my vac- my employees vaccinated? Or do you think it's the government's job to go inside of these private businesses and saying you cannot do that? And as you're thinking about that, let me explain it and just bring it out a little bit more. So, you know, the thing is, is there's two ditches always. And it seems like we're always falling into one ditch or the other, whether it's vaccine mandates or or there will be no vaccine mandates. And I think those are two ditches because the, at the end of the day, the government is not the answer for anything. And so... Um, the, I mean, as far as, uh, as far as when it comes to the health care of, of the in, individual. So, and, and then, you know, when you bring government into a small business, like with my small business, the government came in and shut me down because I did not comply to the mandate. Now, do you think it's healthy for the government to go into the other ditch and say, you know what, here's a mandate. You can't ask your employees to be vaccinated. Like, isn't that just two ditches and like, isn't there a center line on that road that would be a healthy line to go down? Um, 
And now I think this is maybe where me and John Jacob disagree on maybe about the first thing ever. And, and not that I don't think, I think that John Jacob's necessarily wrong in, in what he's thinking, but I just don't know if the government, I'm a small government guy and so is John, but I'm saying, I don't know if the government should have the right to come into a business period and say either, or shouldn't that be up to the small business? And I'm not talking corporations or who, or who are embedded with the government and bringing corruption through the government and through their corporations. That's another story, but I'm just talking for the average small business out there. To be honest, it is a hard um, question to answer, but if, how can I answer this? I do have an answer for you. Small business. First of all, when you're dealing with the government, we should be we should be careful on the amount of access that we give any government for that matter. Um, because if you give them if you give a government body, you know, bureaucratic bar, body uh, any leeway, that gap will continue to that gap will continue to to widen. Um, now, when it comes to whether or not your employees are vaccinated and an employee or I'm sorry. Yeah. An employer. Um, say you, for instance, if you want your employees to, to vaccinate, I believe that the employees should still have the consent, whether they vaccinate or not, but not, you know, not, not at the cost of, you know, costing them their jobs if they don't. That's good. And you know what? That's what John told me. He's like, Matt, um, body autonomy when it comes to bodily autonomy, when it comes to what we put in our bodies and what the government tells us, or somebody tells us we have to put it in our body trumps what your employer wants you to do. You're, and I, you know what, when he explained it to me like that, I'm like, you know what? And that's exactly what you're saying. I think Richard in, in, well, it's, it's, I don't, I don't think the government, just like the government shouldn't have power inside of my household, you know, um, and how I raise my children, you know, as long as obviously, you know, there's no abuse involved in all that. But um, when it comes to a small, even the HB 1001, I mean, you know, you're a small business owner. Are you paying for those tests? According to the HB uh, 1001, I think the employer, yes, I would, uh, the, I would have yeah, to pay, employer. but if I, if I made them get vaccinated, right. Um, so if, if there's an, uh, employer that's like, I want all my employees to be vaccinated. Um, but if you don't, you got to take a weekly test and I'm going to pay for that because I have to now because of Indiana that, that I don't know. If, I don't know where it's at. It hasn't passed yet, but if it does pass, no, um, um, I, then the employer would be, that's only if you want them tested. Like I'm not forced to test my, my employees. But you have the choice though. Right. And you're doing it because you're afraid that everyone is diseased and everyone's going to spread this, this killer, you know, sickness. Um, now if it, if it's, if it, if it's truly, you know, something that is seriously deadly, you know, uh, seriously deadly. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not taking away from people who have suffered from this disease. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm just saying, 
um, if it's if it's if it's truly deadly, then of course we want people to be uh, vaccinated. But you know, there you got the flu vaccine too, and people have the option to either get the vaccine or not get the vaccine, right. and that's work. It's been working for all these years. And you make a great point because here's the deal. If the coronavirus was killing 10% of the population, even let's say 10% to be generous, that's bad. I'd be all for getting a vaccine, (laughs) but it's less than 1%. Right. Right. I'm just trying to keep it real. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm just take away from how people view uh, COVID or anything. I'm just saying that if it's so deadly, I should have a hyperbaric or a um, decontamination chamber in my garage. Every single time I jump out my car, I should be fully donned in a uh, one of those, you know, lab coats, suits or whatever. You know, it, it's just one of those. It's it's a it's a catch 22. You know, you have basketball players not masked up. Um, some are getting the, the vaccine. Some are not. I mean, you got it's 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 a mess, you know, and, and every time the government gets involved in anything, it's a mess. Yep. yep. Amen to that. I feel like we can't be responsible enough to stay at home when we're sick. And that's right. And we've been doing it for years. Yeah, we've been doing this already. We don't need you to tell us, you know, what about the H1N1 and the bird flu and the swine flu and all these other, you know, (laughs) what, what's the difference now? Narrative propaganda. Yeah. You're hyper. (laughs) it and you're showing it on everyone's tv and you're trying to you know you're getting everyone worked up and now we're at a point where we're actually literally trying to direct small companies on what to do you're closing small companies down yet you're allowing big corporations to continue you know it it, It yeah it was a mess And that, having bring it full circle, and I want to talk about one other issue real quick, but that is why you're running for office because of all this nonsense, correct? Yeah, you need com- we need common sense, whether it's me or someone else. We, we need common sense, practical thinking citizens to step up. Um, and one of, one of my favorite sayings is this, the only people that can find solutions to the issues are the people who are affected by the issues. These politicians are not affected by these issues. At least they seem like they're not, like they're exempt from all of this. Like they can just, you know, think of something and then uh, get it get it through the, the committee hearings and get it through committee, get it on the floor, and every all of their stuff gets passed. But when it comes to patriotic people and, and people who believe in medical liberties and, 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 and freedoms and, you know, individual rights, those bills don't get passed. You think that you're above the law yep. and you need to get out of there. It's, it's, you know, you need to resign. You're not fit for, for office. But boy, they like to hold on to it. Don't they? They do. They do. But we'll, we'll be there shortly and we'll relieve them of their duty. Uh, and so let's talk about the second amendment real quick. Now, I think I watched your, your announcement video and you, at the end of that thing, you grabbed a, was that a VR or a rock Island VR 80? <laughs> Um, I hope no liberals are watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what that was? Oh, they tried that. No, no, it's, uh, it, it's actually my children's AR. Okay. It's a, it's a small one. 
This that was big. That looked really yeah, big. Yeah, it's big to a lot of people, but it's actually a small one. I actually I didn't put mine up there. I got a, a big four fifty Bushmaster. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, well, it had a yep. drum on it. Like how many uh, how many bullets does that drum hold? <laughs> one hundred. That is amazing. Yep, and it actually goes on my wife's AR. Okay. So, I, so that's a part of my passion too. Is um, you know, I build ARs as a hobby so did you build both or did you build that gun yeah i built all of our all of our rifles i built did you like uh so did you like do the 80 uh, 80 and under or whatever and get the jig and all that jazz or do you just buy the parts and put it together well if i did do that i wouldn't tell you that's but not illegal <laughs> is it it's not it's not I'm it's just, just okay no, i didn't so, think so i was in, I, don't, I don't buy the 80 percenters uh, i want to i just haven't i don't have the time to commit to something like that um but yeah I, I buy the parts and pieces and put it all together um and you know it's it's uh it's you know i hunt and fish and i do all that but it's really uh exciting to put to put those uh to put those together yeah uh that was cool i, I thought that video was fantastic by the way so yeah <laughs> i did well, I've been- <laughs> You know, I have uh, I have a lot of uh, liberal reporters asking me that same question you just asked me. What kind? What was that? What you know? Because they're trying to use it as a, you know, you know how they do it. Well, the reason I ask you is because I got a Rock Island VR80, which is a shotgun, an automatic shotgun, and it looked a lot like it. And then I saw the drums, and I got jealous because all I got is a 19 round clip, and I'm like, <laughs> I need to get me a drum for that thing. And so yep, yep, I actually yep. looked it up. I was like, is there a drum for my VR80? And there is. So yeah. I'm going to have to get a drum for it. And and uh, I just had a little bit of jealousy. I'm not going to lie. I thought you had the same <laughs> gun I did. And I did, you had a drum and I didn't. So I tell you what, man, it's it's something because, you know, if I would, if I can say this on air, um, it's sad that a black man can't have a rifle and a drum. And <laughs> and. It, goes berserk and bananas over it oh he's black and he has a gun and and what i really wanted to do i told my wife i said you know if they keep on coming at me with this i'm gonna i'm gonna say what i want to say to him who's saying that no i i get it big black guy big black gun people are saying because you're black like because they're actually bringing in your race on on you having a gun in your announcement video oh dude you you'd be amazed at what it the things that uh that i hear from that video um that video i think is touching 30 something hundred people and uh yeah it's it's amazing you know because i think of it as you know i i didn't say this i don't think in my bio but i actually was raised in oklahoma um i was on a cattle ranch you know we rode horses in the town um i was in ffa i, I showed herford's you know uh, i wore western hats i i still got western boots i wear to work you know and um that that's a part that was a part of 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 growing up you know shooting and 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 um and just firearms in general uh and and being a cowboy you know being in rodeos you know uh and it and it's unnatural here in indiana to see black black people in that in that in that context but you know you go down past the mason dixon line you you're gonna see you know i i just sold uh my I had a big Dodge Dooley. Imagine a black man jumping out of a Dodge Dooley, you know, and a diesel at that, right? All, right. all deleted out and sounding real mean and everything. But down there, you know, everybody drives them. 
you know, so so it's different to see that here. And, and I'm feeling the, the effects of that, you know, because it's 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 scaring the liberals. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? That's a good thing in my mind. Scaring the liberal any way you and, can. And the bad thing is they didn't hear anything I said. They just they just seen that gun and they're like, oh, my God. And, and they only knew my heck, my six year old shoots that thing. Right. Yeah. Again, it's the narrative that they put out that that's and evil. Lightweight. You know, it's really a micro light gun. I mean, it's it's super lightweight. Um, and so anybody can shoot it. And it's the baby. That's and they the don't baby. even kick that hard. I mean, AR shoot so there, smoothly. That one doesn't even have a kick. Yeah. It has no kick, no flash. Um, it's 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 the perfect rifle, in my opinion, um, when it comes to that. So, yeah. That, that 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 was that was a good looking gun and uh yeah i thought for sure that that was a, a vr80 and i was again i was like man he's got a drum for that oh, so yeah. i, I guess my mind will go to oh my goodness there's a black dude with a big gun yeah yeah <laughs> I wonder if somebody called the cops drum. on you <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife's drum she has a uh a, I, I built her an all hot pink ar we call it dragon tongue that thing shoots a six foot flame out of both sides its muzzle wow oh yeah it's it's a that thing is a monster no kick though yeah so nobody ought to break into your house anytime soon is what you're telling me i hope not we live in a it'd be uh it'd be a terrible thing (laughs) it would be for everybody so uh (laughs) so having said that what do you think about that uh constitutional carry that's going through right now so there's a floor there it was heard on the floor i believe yesterday and i haven't followed it to be honest with you where are we at on that and what do you think of that bill well first of all it passed the house and now it has to go to a uh, senate uh committee hearing uh to my understanding um hopefully it doesn't die there like it did the last time um what i think about it well it's about time you know um so you're happy with the bill it's uh, a good bill you're reinstating our constitutional right (laughs) sure (laughs) but i mean i know here i guess what i'm saying is is i know john or uh john jacob i believe and kurt nisley came out with one too it's not that one um, it's the, uh, I know layman's a co-author on it and I can't remember who wrote it off the top of my head, but I'm asking, I guess what I'm asking is, does that bill, is that, I've been hearing it's a good bill. Is that in your opinion, is it a good bill and it's the, and is it the bill that, you know, if it passes, it's a, it's a good bill that to pass, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, without reading the whole thing, uh, I can't really answer answer that in its totality i believe that it's a good bill i know people who who are backing that bill who are good people good patriots um and then there are some other things that i know um uh, i don't know if it's inside information but um i I think it's a good bill okay really and that's what i've been hearing too i've I've been hearing it's a good bill so um hey just because john and kurt's not on something doesn't mean that they're not on something no, and I get that. I, and I really do. I get that. And at the same time, just because John and Kern aren't on something doesn't mean that it's a bad bill. Now, that too. 99% of the time it is, but, it is. you know, or it could be a better oh, I bill. Question, I question it. Right. Me too. I do too. I and I, yeah, I do too. And, and, and so I'm just glad to hear that it is a good bill. And like you said, it doesn't matter who gets the credit to, I don't care who's on the bill, just pass good bills. Pass good bills. Yep. Yep. You know. We are, we are in, in back, I guess, I don't know, man, I back on the mandate really, really fast. 
my big thing, you know, because my one of my biggest my big pitches is, you know, um, I'm against unlawful mandates because we and this is why, because we are ruled by law, not mandate. It's just that simple. And it is because it takes a while for a law to get passed. Doesn't mean we should negate the legislative process. No, you're exactly right. And I'll tell you what, you say law mandates aren't the law. Boy, that sets people on fire. You get so much pushback when you say something like that. But in reality, you're right. The General Assembly in in the Senate makes the law. It's right? written in our constitution. The General Assembly has to has to be in session. I mean, this it it has to go this way or we unravel the very fabric and bedrock of our constitution. Yeah. And you know what? That's why it's important to get people like you into office. And easy way lazy man's way of getting things passed okay people that don't want to do any work you know these these incumbents should fear for their career the reason i say that is because they have been doing nothing for so long that they don't even know how to campaign so it's i think it's an easy victory for liberty candidates period and they should stay encouraged because god is in this fight um and and god is in the lead as long as we keep that the status quo then then we are conquerors we will conquer this fight amen <clears throat> so i know that uh, me personally and I, I a lot of people are going to listen to this are going to be in prayer for you they're going to be praying for your campaign um if they if, if and if they're here's what i want these podcasts to do because i got a lot of podcasts lined up i am i am interviewing a lot of state representatives like you who are running um, and you know, my, and my podcast is always open to the incumbents as well. I'm going to ask you guys the same questions, you know, now they probably are going to be tougher questions for incumbents because they have a history and a record of not doing the right thing, but they it's not going to be, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, but it's going to be the same questions. And, and so I'm not just, I'm just, this podcast is open to anybody who wants to come on it. Having said that, I do have a lot of podcasts lined up to, with a lot of people. And I want you guys, uh, Richard, to use this podcast to get your message out in your district. So if you wouldn't mind sharing it when we, when I get it up, it's going to be on iTunes. Um, it's going to be on Podbean. It's going to, I believe it's on Spotify, even though I heard there's some issues, maybe I'm going to have to fix but, um, and it's going to be on my, my Facebook page. Just share that. Let your constituents hear you because not, there's not too many places that you can sit down and talk for an hour and a half on who you are, why you're running, what you believe in, and asking people for your vote. And so use this to your advantage. Use this to, to get to your voters so they know who you are. And it's really been a pleasure to talk to you, sir. And Pleasure's I been. Uh, been mine. Um, I, I'm grateful for people like you who's given uh, people like me a shot um, and a chance to to prove my worth. Um, and I'm a champion for the people. I'm a voice for the forgotten. Awesome. And if somebody would want to financially give to help your campaign, where can they do that at? They can go on my Facebook page. Uh, my Facebook handle is uh, at Richard Bagsby for Indiana, and then uh, or on my website at voterichardbagsby.org. Uh, we use the platform WinRed, 
um, as our donation site. Um, so yeah, either one of those uh, on Facebook, there's not a donate button. It's a um, gift card button because they don't have a donate button. So uh, once you get to that Facebook page, if you click the gift the gift card button, uh, it'll take you right to the to the Win Red site. Um, and yeah, please give generously. Uh, we are anticipating an opponent who has a lot of money, which that doesn't matter. They're not going to outwork me, but. Um, Please contribute uh, generously. Yeah. And, uh, that way I can get my message across to uh, the constituents. And not only that, uh, this Friday we're, we are going on our 8,000 door marathon. Uh, so we're going to knock on 8,000 doors by the time this thing is over with. <laughs> and you're just launching that this weekend? I'm launching it this weekend. Okay. Yep. So, uh, so keep us in prayer as we go into these uh, uncharted territories. Um, and, and just keep us in prayer and, and, and we will keep all of you in prayer as well. Well, thank you so much for that as well. And again, thank you for coming on the podcast and are you going to be at the dinner on Saturday? Oh yeah. All right. I am looking forward to meeting you in person, Richard. So I will see you Saturday, Lord willing, and, uh, and take care and thank you once again. Thank you. Likewise, sir. We'll see you soon. See ya. God bless That was awesome. Yeah, that dude's amazing. You need to listen.